Lucky 10,000 season four with your host, Evan. This season, badass women from history. Hey guys, this is the Lucky 10,000 with your host, Evan, thanking you for tuning in to us. The song you heard at the beginning of the episode was a song by Valentine Wolf called On the Education of Daughters. If you like that song, we will play the entire song for you after the episode proper. And we want to thank uh, Stitcher and Podbean for hosting us. If you send us a five-star review on Stitcher or iTunes, we will read it on the air. And as always, this is the Lucky 10,000, the podcast that gets you luckier than learning a little bit more about someone you've always been interested in, but apparently were too lazy to do anything about until you created your own podcast. And this is going to be an interesting one because this is the second time we've done this, and my guest today is my other podcast partner jason underwood jason how you doing doing good man doing good and uh it's always weird to do these things because uh, the bearded ones podcast is specifically just made to be as funny and idiotic as possible and this is meant to be genuinely informative right so it's always weird it's not that there can't be humor in this at all but it's always weird to find that balance of yeah we're talking about real shit and you know, but I asked Jason if he wanted to do it again this season, and he said yes, and he was one of those people that knew exactly who he wanted to talk about, George Washington. And I was like, it's 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 badass women of history, Jason. Whoa. I mean, he's, like, he's wearing that a wig, though. <laughs> that wig, yeah. But no, he immediately uh, was like, Harriet Tubman. And I was like, yeah, Harriet Tubman, fucking great. Let's talk about Harriet Tubman. And uh, I did a little research myself, so we're just going to get into it here, but and what's interesting to me is, you know, this is going to be a really interesting partnership with the episode I did with Brian Reeder on Phyllis Wheatley. Obviously, Jason, oh, cool. you have not heard that episode yet because it has not been published. But uh, the interesting thing about that episode was that Phyllis okay. Wheatley was a slave who was taken into slavery, I think, at age eight. But she – lucky in that being a slave is not a lucky thing, but – she right. was taken in by a family who taught her and educated her and treat, treated her like one of their own. And the point we make in the episode is, yes, they're still slave owners, so they're terrible people. But uh, she actually became the first African-American poet while she published poet while she was a slave. And wow, you, that's amazing. When you look at her poetry, it's all very positive and uplifting, and she doesn't have seem to have any regrets about where her life went. Well, now oh. we get to the other side of the coin. This woman had right. a tough fucking life. It's tough, and and and, but there might be a, still an element of a an unfortunate thing turns into something absolutely uh, kind of positive. Absolutely, um, and, not just kind of. Yeah, yeah, positive. yeah. And I, when I first said that sentence, I was thinking of um, uh, something. Well, we'll get into it more. Yeah. But first off, yeah, I mean, I am, of course am not an expert, but this is just someone that I 
in passing, uh, my fiance was telling me some stuff about Harriet, Harriet Tubman, and I was like, oh, wow. I, either I didn't know any of these things or maybe I forgot, but I I mean, of course, I knew who she was and yeah. I knew what she did, but I, I didn't know uh, the level of cool stuff that she's done. Yeah, you know? and, and to start things off, really, one thing I learned, uh, I always – you know, everyone associates Harriet Tubman with the Underground Railroad – but yeah. no one really knows who st- – I, I thought she started the Underground Railroad. She yeah, did me not. too. It was, in, it was in existence for a while. In fact, no one is credited that I can find with actually starting it. I think it was something that had been going on for a while. Obviously, somebody had to have done it first, but I yeah. don't think they called it the Underground Railroad. And so the longer but, it went on, the less people knew who started it. People just sure. knew that it was this thing. It was this network of getting slaves – out of their plantations and away from their owners in the dead of night, hiding them in barns, uh, taking them basically from Maryland in a lot of cases up to Canada. So you're going from the region yeah. of the south into Canada, and you've got to hide, and you know you're doing this by horseback when you can, but a lot of times it's on foot, and it's it's no fucking joke. Yeah, in my uh, research, I uh, I found. This guy, Pegleg Joe, was another uh, abolitionist, another uh, conductor on the Underground Railroad yeah. or, or, or whatever it was known at the time, I guess. But, yeah, he he was an interesting guy. He would go to – he was a white guy. He would go to plantations and he would – I forget like what, what exactly his job was, but he would help the plantation. But then at, the, at, the, at night, he would teach uh, the slaves there this song, and I think it was – Follow the drinking gourd is right. what you would teach there them. There was a lot of code. Yeah, everything was code. And in the song, it was all about, uh, uh, you know, uh, walk. You know, the the river makes a good road or something yeah. like that. And after the river, you'll see two hills, and beyond the hills, there's another river. So it was real. It's code, but also it doesn't. It's not hiding anything no, a whole, whole lot. Much. I mean, he did better than the first guy who tried the code song. Yeah. Which was, what do you do? Which was, hey guys. Let's steal you away from your white masters. Uh, and and they they changed the lyrics for each song for each plantation to match the name of the plantation owners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, hey, you slave right there, let's get you out of Mr. Ford's plantation and take you up to Canada where you can be free. This is the way we're going to go. The lyrics right. didn't even rhyme, but he laid out the entire – the entire it path that they were going to take. It was it was a good tune, but the lyrics yeah. really gave it all it was, away. It was, yeah. like a, it was like a Dylan number, you know. Right. Lyrics didn't have to rhyme. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it but was even really with the whole, like, uh, even the whole, you know, uh, all this talk about walking in the rivers and wading in the yeah. water and all these different songs. I mean, how dumb were these plantation but to be fair, to not pick up on this stuff? A lot of the songs that the slaves sung were metaphor already. They were a lot of religious Songs, I guess a lot that's of uplifting true. songs, and you know, a lot of that stuff would would stand in for going to heaven or you know, walking through the field with the Lord or whatever. So I'm sure plantation owners at first that's didn't a good think point. about it, but right, they just I, gave it a new meaning to them. Right, right. And, yeah, but yeah, yeah. It was interesting. I, I found this one interesting article on the Underground Railroad, uh, and this just reminds you that the people that we admire sometimes. Uh, maybe aren't as deserving as we want to give them credit for because apparently the Underground Railroad had been going for a long time. And uh, I found this quote. Okay. Let's see. In 1786, George Washington complained about how one of his runaway slaves was helped by a, quote, society of Quakers formed for such purposes. And you forget that. You forget that the people that formed this country 
also yeah, did slaves. one of the most despicable things a human being can do. Yeah, yeah. And he was pissed about it. He's like, they're taking my slaves, man. Taken, taken. Yeah, yeah. But so the Quakers, uh, one element, one aspect of the Quakers did this. One yeah, set, uh, uh, whites, but predominantly black. Let me see. The Underground Railroad, a vast network of people. Blah 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 blah. blah run by it. Let me see. I mean, there were a lot of abolitionists that helped with it. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure it wasn't just all Quakers. <laughs> just a bunch of, <laughs> bunch of hey, good ups to the Quakers, even if it was, you know. But, but that's uh, why Harriet Tubman uh, should be recognized because, uh, and we can we can start talking about her specifically. Yeah, of course. What I have about her, her, she was born in 1820, they think, in Dorchester, Maryland, and her real name was Araminth- Araminthia. Yes. yes, Araminta Harriet Ross. Ross, yes. Yeah. Araminta. Yeah, yeah. And okay. So I, I guess at this point we'll get into something. So while my, I was doing my research, I was, uh, you know, reading and, and listening to YouTube videos. I came across this one video. It's, um, homeschool. Oh, hold on. There is it. Got it right here. Homeschool pop. And, you know, God bless them. They're, they're doing videos biography videos for kids okay but the fella who was it just stuck out to me everyone else was being and and this guy's respectful too everybody was being respectful he was just being respectful in a different way uh so if you can play that first clip i sent you she was given the name araminta but was nicknamed minty so you think the guy sounds funny that's why we're doing this yeah he just just his enthusiasm (laughs) I mean, look, minty is mints are very refreshing, so I would say minty like that too. Right. <laughs> it uh is just I don't know the way he he's going about it, the way just his enthusiasm. He's just I mean he's talking to kids, so I guess you got to be more animated. Yeah. Uh, but that but just to be fair, he just taught funny. me something I didn't know. I didn't What's know that, that your nickname was Minty. Right, right, and isn't that I mean that's odd that it's such a fun positive nickname mm-hmm. for uh in, in a situation that's not fun or positive it's i don't know it's uh it just was odd to me it's also. like having mint chocolate chip ice cream in the middle of a holocaust sure sure it's uh yeah it's just a, i don't know and also uh his enthusiasm uh struck me funny all right we move but, on uh, to we, the next clip uh no we don't have to do that okay. immediately um but yeah her nickname was uh minty what else? What else do we got? Fresh. Oh, going back, um, someone, they're even thinking that she might have been born in 1822. Okay. But uh, but that's based on various uh, records, uh, even like payments to midwives and right. such. So th- it's still not narrowed down. But okay. Yeah. So maybe 1822. I mean, someone even was so bold to say January 29th, 1822. Well, well, yeah. But they're probably wrong. <laughs> right, right. But uh, yeah, she was born into slavery uh, to Harriet, nicknamed uh, Rit Green, who was a cook, and Ben Ross, a skilled woodsman uh, who was uh, doing you know woodwork on the land. And uh, their, her owner at the time was Edward Brodus. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, and at age age six, uh, she started working. She was out there. She was weaving. Uh, they made her check uh, muskrat traps. Was one of the duties that she had, and she 
doing this, uh, surprisingly, she caught uh, something and got sick. <laughs> so she got the measles yeah. and um, while doing that. And so they uh, she was they thought something they didn't know. I mean, they didn't, I don't think they knew what the measles was right. at the time or maybe they did. I don't know. But anyway, she got sent back to uh, Brodus and uh, of course was was, um, you know, beaten for, you know, no reason. And uh, she decided they ended up keeping her in the house. She was a housekeeper for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Age 11, she started wearing a, a white bandana, which I guess is customary. And it signifies you're no longer uh, a child and you can, I guess, do more intense work. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is uh, this is interesting and, and horrible, like, but it shows she's always had this kind of spirit in her. And I. I saw on Wikipedia another element of that where when she was super young, um, I guess the owner, Edward Brodus, wanted to sell one of her newborn siblings. And her mom, uh, Harriet, was adamant about preventing that. And there was one quick story that I, I saw where Edward came in. Well, she was like the, the mom was hiding the baby for a couple, for like a month or something. And then eventually um, Edward came in and said, look, someone wants, someone wants to, to buy or, or yeah, buy the, the baby. Ugh. And, and she said, the mom said, let's see, where is that quote? She said, you are after my son, but the first man that comes into my house, I will split his head open. Oh, Nice. Which is awesome. Yeah. And they're saying that that probably, you know, seeing a little bit of resistance maybe emboldened her to maybe follow through a little more uh, later. But going back when she was age 12, uh, there was another slave who was like the owner was upset with. And I think the the owner wanted Harriet to help tie up this uh, this kid mm-hmm. and she refused and she was trying to protect him. But the owner, uh, this, this, yeah, this owner was, you know, out of frustration through a two pound metal weight, tried to hit the kid. Yeah, I did find this in my research, too. Yeah, it hit her. Yeah. And that gave her uh, for the rest of her life epilepsy and massive headaches. Yeah. Like she said, it like broke part of like literally broke her skull. It wasn't just like a, a hit, like a blunt trauma. It broke the skull. Right. And that's good. Yeah, that'll stay with you forever. But this is what I was referencing at the beginning where, I mean, unfortunately, of course, it's horrible, uh, you know, having these narcolepsy and seizures and whatnot. But through this, she says that she would have these like visions, you know, and she believed God was talking to her. And 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 that also added into this. I'm going to save people. I'm going to I'm going to escape and take people out of this horrible situation, I guess, similar to uh, to Moses, you know? Yeah, and she eventually got the nickname Moses, so we'll get to that later. But, yeah, yeah. it's interesting. It's always interesting when I hear this kind of stuff. You know, I'm not a religious guy. I don't believe that God speaks to people in visions and things like that. But it's always nice when that sort of thing that people convince themselves of leads to something good. I thank God that in her mind the visions were like, eat the faces off all your friends, you know? <laughs> <clears throat> She would not yeah, be celebrated as the hero that she is yeah, now. She would not get on the $20 bill no, for doing No, she would that. not. <laughs> but, yeah, she believed that God was instructing her that she, just like Moses, had to get, uh, set her people free. Yes, yes. So, in a way, the guy that threw the metal at her 
is sort of responsible for the whole thing. I don't right. Think I mean, you can tell she... without without the epilepsy and the migraines yeah. and the damage that it did. Yeah. I mean, it seems like she already had that kind of spirit in her the whole time, but yes. right, like these visions. That was the catalyst. That'll, that'll, yeah, totally. Hey guys, this is Evan. Hey, Jason Underwood. And if you're enjoying listening to the Lucky 10,000, then come on over to a podcast where nobody's ever getting lucky, ever. Here on the Lucky 10,000, you're here to learn, but with the bearded ones, we're here to make you laugh. And and maybe you'll learn something while you're laughing. Yeah, learn something like about Batman. <laughs> I mean, for we were on a stint of Matlock for a while. It was funny to me. Hey, I mean, I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, that's not how you sell it. Come anything. on over, listen to the one podcast, I guess. I yeah, mean, I, I like it. I'd be a shit salesman. <laughs> um, Come buy this car. I mean, I drove it once. You, yeah, probably, you probably wouldn't like yeah, it. Yeah, you don't want to. <laughs> you yeah, don't yeah, want yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know what? Fuck this. Don't listen to Bearded One. <laughs> Come on, check us out. Bearded One's comedy podcast on the Bearded Pods Network. I knew that. I didn't know that. Well, that's why we're here, listening to the Lucky 10,000. You learn something new with every episode. And while you're here at the Bearded Pods Network, you might want to come and give us some pod love. We're Teddy and the Bassman. We cover all sorts of subjects, speak with tons of interesting guests, and entertain you with a melange of vintage commercials and jingles, and a whole plethora of eclectic music. You might even learn something from us as well. It'll probably be about bondage, but... Teddy and the Baseman! What next? In 1845, I think she was around 25 years old, she ended up marrying... She married this guy, uh, John Tub... Tubman. Oh, no, that's John interesting. Tubman. I have 1844. But that also just shows how difficult it is to pin things down specifically when the records right. are, you know, either anecdotal or just written down somewhere and possibly lost and whatever but yeah she married a free man which i didn't even think you could do right right that that yeah that that would happen that someone would allow that to happen i guess right. but i guess and i don't I, god i wish i researched it more but if you are a free slave you can just go to the south and do whatever you want, right? Yeah, but I, as we saw in 12 Years a Slave, it's still a risk because people oh, yeah. are like, you know, you're not free. <laughs> Who's right. going to believe you? Yeah, yeah, you don't have like a, a card or something, no. I guess. I don't. But that's wild. Yeah, so he was free, she was not. And I found, a, I came across where she was like talking to him about, hey, I want to do this. I want to go. I want to escape. And he was like, ah, "No, I'm fine down here. I'm I'm okay." Yeah, um, an asshole. As we find out later, he's not the the best guy in the world. I mean, right. hey, yes, your wife's a slave, and you should help her get out of slavery, and that usually means just you know at least getting up off the couch. I mean, that's what the guy sounds like. Yeah, he sounds like the guy that's you know I I knew a woman that I worked with years ago who uh, had. Uh, you know, I won't say the most proactive husband in the world, and they were having a pregnancy, and she was a little bit worried about it, and mm. something was going wrong that day. And I believe the story I heard – this is not true. I apologize. This is just what I heard – was that uh, she left work early because she was worried that there was some spotting, let's just say. And uh, sure. she called him to ask him to meet her at the doctor, and he really didn't want to leave until the A-team was over. No, this is while his pregnant wife is at work and he's at home watching television. By the way, 18, so that's kind of what I yeah. what I think of when I think of this guy. It's like your your slave wife wants to free herself, 
and leave the South where she might die if someone finds out she's trying to be a free person. And you're just like, yeah, yeah, but it's nice. Yeah, but uh, I want to see what happens at the end of Charles in Charge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's Good just gosh. horrifying. And yeah, next. And I'm, I might like double back if I forget things. I'll go back. Yeah, yeah, such. please do. But, um, and also, as we always invite, if we are wrong about anything, if you, oh, you know that we're incorrect, yes. please email us, lucky10,000 at Gmail. Again, not an expert, but just just been uh, just been looking into it and, yeah. and trying to trying to get my book report all straight. <laughs> so we'll see how it's going. But um, but yeah, eight. No, no, yeah. So she uh, tried to escape and actually, I think, succeeded with some of her siblings. Yes, a couple of what times. I have is that in 1849 she left Maryland and ended up in Philadelphia. They say she followed the North Star and used the Underground Railroad. But then she kept coming back. Right. And that was the thing that really makes you realize she's a different sort of person. Because she gets out. She's fine. She can just live her life. And then she's like, no, fuck this. I got people down there I need to save. So right, right. And for now, years, she went is... back down. And for what I have, she ended up rescuing two of her brothers, uh, her sister, and her sister's children. Not all at once, I don't think. But, no, yeah, I think she would get a couple each time yeah. she went. Yeah, but yeah. But at this point, uh, I want to uh, play another clip. Oh, okay. So this is, you know, right after she gets to Philadelphia. That could right. be the end of the story. She got free. Right, okay. But here we go. So she was free, and that could have been the end of the story. But that is not the end of the story. This is what's so extraordinary about Harriet Tubman. Okay. I might even use these as bookmarks in the episode. Um, yeah, that was... I mean, the, I'm just... The guy's not the best at, uh, you know, varying up his words or telling a good story. He's just, uh, hey, and then and then you know what? More stuff, more stuff happens. Yeah, I don't think I would see him in a, in a really in like a, a Ken what's his face Vietnam. Ken Burns. Oh Ken yeah, Burns. if he was narrating a Ken <laughs> documentary, <laughs> that would not go well. But right. yeah, but that was right. but that's when you really first. I mean, hey, you have to take balls to even do that to just to leave in the first place. Right. And, but to go back. But to go back, not just right. once, but at least two or three times a year for years. And so it started with her siblings. You know, it started yeah. with her getting two brothers, a sister, and her sister's children. And Although, she, not yeah. to not to be too uh, nitpicky or whatever, I heard that it takes like at least a whole year to get from uh, the south, wherever you know, up into the Canada or whatever. I it think takes eventually like a whole week. she ended up taking the trip. Uh, I think like twice a year just to Maryland. I could be wrong oh, okay. about that. But yeah, yeah me I mean, it, and imagine spending a whole year looking over your shoulder every five seconds, not being able to sleep because you think somebody could find your hiding place. And and it was pretty clever. I mean, they had all these codes and letting you know who was safe and who wasn't. But it's still like anybody that picks up on this stuff, you're dead. There's there's no going back. You're, you're fucking dead. And not only did she get out, but she kept going back. And this is kept where – yeah. uh, this is also where I have that her husband really pops up again is not the greatest guy on the planet. Right. She, she goes back and uh, she tries to get him to come back. But what happened? 
Well, you can say it. It's, it's your episode. Well, what happened is uh, he remarried somebody. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he got. He found another lady. <laughs> now, was she a slave? I don't know. I, I didn't. I didn't uh, learn more about it. Imagine I just... that you're this guy. Let's just say that you're a guy that, for most of your life, was like the best person you could possibly be. Yeah. Everyone's like, "Oh, he's a great guy." Oh, that John. He's a good dude. But now history records you. As the mm-hmm. guy who cheated on Harriet Tubman. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. You are the biggest D bag. Oh my god. The guy who cheated on Harriet Tubman. But what's funny That's, is, I don't know yeah. how long she was away from him, but it didn't. I, in what I researched, she didn't really seem to care all that much. I think she kind of knew he was a bit of a dick. Because she's just like, all right, fuck you. I'm going to continue with this underground yeah. railroad stuff. Right, she did just she just pieced out and was like, "Fine, I don't need you." Yeah. Now, uh, something I really found super fascinating, and I wish I had more time to research it all, but the different codes that were were involved. Yeah. In uh, in uh yeah, in finding your way down the uh in, in this underground railroad, and going back to Pegleg Joe, I mean, there was part of it was. You would go down the river and you would look at these dead trees. And if you saw a left foot and a peg leg, like scrawled into these dead trees, then oh, you knew cool. you were on the right track. Yeah. So you look for these symbols. And there were uh, other ones, like, and I think everyone knows this, but like a, la- a light, like a lamp in a, uh, in a windowsill meant that it was safe to come in. Okay. Yeah. And there were messages in quilts. I'm trying to trying to remember which ones uh, meant what, but there were if you saw like a squiggle pattern or a zigzag that it meant you would have to have that. That's the kind of trail that's coming up. Right. Um, if you saw like a wrench pattern, a monkey wrench pattern that meant, hey, it's time to start gathering our things together, getting our tools together. And they could just. And it worked out fine because you could just put these over a window, open window uh, sill, put these over a fence. Anyone can see them. And only if you knew what the pattern meant did you, you know, it was a pretty big billboard to you. But to everyone else, it was just a quilt. Right. So that was fascinating. That's awesome. It was it was even so much, and I, I don't know any of the details. It was just something I came across. But the way a woman would fold and fold her apron was even a symbol for something. Interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. Well, and then what I have too is then after after she goes through all this crap with her husband, uh, things even got a little bit harder for her because in 1850 the Fugitive Slave Act was passed. And yes, that was a big a big moment. Right. So now instead of just going to a like Philadelphia or a free state, boom, got to go all the way back, all the way up to Canada now. Yeah, because you were no longer considered a free person if you were caught in the north and were officially freed by your master i guess then you were a fugitive yeah which is just i know and these a-holes that are living up there they're like hey you know how i can make some quick money let me send all these uh people back down south to uh to literal hell and And you know what she could have easily just gone up to canada and said i did my part i'm gonna live out the rest of my days in safety but Mm -hmm. nope she kept going she kept going. Um, and uh, I believe – so 300 slaves over the course of like 11 years is what I yeah. is what I kind of came across. It uh, might I be don't more have an exact number. I have a, a number for what they think the whole Underground Railroad 
Yeah, oh, I don't have that? a number for that. Uh, let's see. Gotta be in the thousands. Well, yeah, honestly, I missed this. They do mention that she sent 300 slaves to freedom. She made 19 trips into the South. Yeah, um, over like but, 11 years? Yeah. Well, I do have an estimate that by 1850, 100,000 slaves had escaped using the Underground Railroad. That's from Wikipedia. So, I mean, that's that's a big number. How many? 100,000. Holy moly. Wow. Yeah. You would hope it would be like a million, but, you know, at least that many people got out of it. Right, right. Yeah, so I found the uh, – oh, the monkey wrench quilt was the first quilt that would go out, you know, just to uh, let everyone okay. know, hey, things are starting to go down. Right, right. After that, there would be like the wagon wheel uh, print would be uh, – the quilt would be out there. It would be on a fence. Then there's crossroad quilt was the fourth quilt with symbolic meaning revealed to slaves uh, planning to escape. Um, so like log cabin quilt that let them know, I guess there's a log cabin. Interesting. And North star quilt, of course, to let them know, Hey, look for the North star. And yeah, it's just a, a brilliant, brilliant move where it's just broad daylight for everybody that needs to know it. And everyone else, they're just right, completely yeah. in the dark. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, have again, the that, same guy that made that first song, you know, his quilts weren't any good either. They, no, pro- no, they no. you know, they just, they were words that said, Hey, we're leaving tomorrow. It was just, just a big map. Showing <laughs> yeah, just where a they map. were going. There's the nothing big arrow. about it. Yeah. Yeah. With a line that says, says good, you are bad. here. Here's yeah. how you get here. Here's the route we're going to take. Yeah. I named the slaves specifically. It was not, he wasn't a smart guy. No, I mean, beautiful stitch work. Oh, he was know. fantastic. It looked great, but. And, you know, he started something. He just didn't perfect it. Right, right. It's like those videos of helicopters and planes where the guys are, like, just jerking themselves. Yeah, exactly. The machine is falling apart because it doesn't know what it's doing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, yeah, so I have uh, that she lived in Canada from 1851 to 1857. She lived in St. Catharines, and she visited Maryland twice a year just to get slaves out and she also wasn't just about freeing slaves she was before we get past that i want to bring this up sure so like i said 300 slaves and one of her quotes is she was a conductor for the underground railroad and i'm I'm just riffing this i don't even know exactly what it was but my uh, train never fell off the track and i never lost a passenger oh there you go so uh here i want to i have two more clips that i want to show you one of them is Again, by that guy uh, who uh, did the homeschool video. Again, it's very informative. It's perfect for what it's supposed to be. But, yeah, that's number one. Okay, or, or the, got the it. Third. Yeah, yeah. So play that clip. Okay. Every single one of them were able to get free because of her help. Not one person was lost. And even when they wanted to turn back and go back to slavery, she encouraged them to keep going. It's amazing. And he is enthusiastic. Very enthusiastic. And so, yeah, she she encouraged them, according to him. Um, but let's play uh, the last clip I okay. sent you. Harriet had many tactics for keeping her groups moving towards freedom. This included drugging crying babies with paracork to make them stop crying. And her most famous trip concerned a passenger who panicked and wanted to turn back. Tumman was afraid if she left, he would be tortured and tell all he knew about the railroad. The unwilling passenger changed his mind when Tumman pointed a gun at his head and said, 
Ted folks tell no tales. First of all, I couldn't understand half of what she was saying. If you're going to put yourself out there like that. <laughs> she uh, she would drug At first it sounded like she said sure in order quiet. to get her boobs across the... Oh, my goodness. But uh, that's quite the encouragement, right? Uh, oh, no. You know, the first Definitely. clip makes it seem like, hey, you know what? We can do this. We yeah. can do this. But the second clip is, uh, no, we're going to drug you. And yeah. if you don't keep moving with us, I'm going to kill you. Because I mean, dead look, men tell the tales. Yeah. She definitely took things to an extreme, but also she had to. She had to. Yeah. If, if one of those people left and went back, and they were like, "Where were you?" and they're like, "Here, the fucking underground railroad. Here's everything you need to know." Here's I the mean, quills. They were done. Oh, of course, of course. But the reason I brought up both of those uh, clips is the homeschool video. It's uh, a yeah. video specifically for kids, yeah. and the guy felt like he couldn't. Uh, I don't know. Get into the details. But then the second clip is read by clips, yeah. <laughs> and they're getting into all of this stuff. Yeah, so I just made, it just made me laugh. I guess I just don't want people to like – kids start having nightmares and Harriet Tubman's hovering over their bed with a gun. <laughs> sure, sure. And I'm sure the homeschool video guy was – you know, they had the details, and it wasn't him. But like yeah. the, the group was like, let's not get into this. Let's yeah. not get into that. But anyway – um, but that's amazing. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, wasn't... that's what she had to do. She had a uh, – some people say it was a revolver, and I think I saw other pictures that didn't – I don't know if it was a revolver or not. But she had that. She also had a sword. Nice. And we'll get into how she got that. Uh, she God. got it from a Confederate soldier. Did she kill him? I, I don't know. She probably did. Maybe. I, I did. Uh, I need to research that more. I seriously doubt um, as she was escaping this house, she was like, hey, can I borrow your sword? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and then, Why sure, my lady? <laughs> Why do you want? Oh God! <laughs> but yeah, that's that's fascinating. I didn't know that at all. Um, and you know, the other thing I I learned was that she wasn't just because you know we we're getting to the point where we can kind of wind it down. We've got I think more than enough. But um, sure. she she wasn't just about freeing slaves. She was also a suffragist. She was good friends with Susan B. Anthony at one point, and mm. you know she wanted women to have the right to vote. Uh, she was used as a spy in the Civil War, which I thought was pretty awesome. That is so amazing, and it makes complete sense. It, oh, absolutely, uh, it does. Right, the, the skills involved in being an abolitionist who, or a conductor of the Underground Railroad, yeah. it fits in pretty dang good with being a spy. But it also yeah. shows like your commitment, because I was, I think I brought this up on Brian's episode as well. I read uh, a biography of Frederick Douglass a long time ago, and there okay. was a guy who he was close partners with who all he wanted was the abolition of slaves, and he was a white guy. And so they were – they spearheaded a, a newspaper called The Liberator where it was all about abolition, 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 slave, free the slaves, free the slaves. And as soon as the slaves were freed, he was like, well, dust my hands off. My work here is done. And Frank Douglas was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, no, hey. no, not even close. So Harriet Tubman works for the government during the Civil War. She disrupts supply lines. But then after the Civil War is done, she could have easily rested on her laurels and just said, okay, I've done enough. I've been in the middle of wars. I got a fucking sword. I'm just going to go back to Canada and relax. But she yeah, didn't. It's in her blood to just, I'm never done. Right. So I'm what I have done. is that one of the first things she did after the Civil War was she created schools or helped create schools for freed slaves to yes. make sure that they, they got an education which seemed like the most pointless statement I've ever uttered in my life. 
<laughs> You're turning into me now. Yeah, I know. On our show, I'm, I'm, I have a terrible uh, tendency to just over-explain, and uh, it's 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 catching. But yeah, once that was up, that's when she joined Susan B. Anthony and started fighting for women's suffrage. It's almost like the 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 plot of an addict's life, where you know mm -hmm. you get off one drug and you move to another. For oh wow, her, yeah, it was, it was yeah. activism. It was change. It was making the world a better place. Mm hmm. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, I believe she passed away like seven years before women did. got the right to vote. Yeah, she did. Yeah, yeah. got the right to, right yeah. to vote. Uh, she wrote a book. Called she did, like with The Secret Life of Harriet Tubman? Uh, is scenes that... in the Life of Harriet scenes. Tubman. Scenes. Yeah, okay. which actually just ended up being about improv. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but no, she wrote, she wrote a book. Uh, then in 1908, she established a home for older black people in Auburn, New York. So she wanted to make sure that in their retirement ages, you know, that they were taken care of. Uh, she's better than the NFL. Yeah, seriously. Good golly. And then she joined that home. And then what I have is that she died in 1911 of pneumonia. Yes. Yeah. And I, I wrote down somewhere her last quote to uh, her last quote on her deathbed was, I go to prepare a place for you. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder about those deathbed quotes, though. I'm sure. I'm sure they just go. All right, she said that's, it that's an option. Point. That's an option. How about this one? How about how about this one? You know, you pick the best one. I, I'm not going to be around. You pick it. Yeah, but yeah, I, I'm. She was so much. I'm. I'm so glad you chose her to do this episode about because she was yeah. so interesting to research and just an amazing person. Like balls on that woman just massive hairy balls on that lady <laughs> yeah yeah a couple of quick little anecdotes that yeah, i came please. across one of them was while she was on the run and this is after i suppose that fugitive slave law was passed she was she was uh, trying to make her way and she heard people come across like oh we're looking for a slave we hear that they're illiterate keep your eye out so she goes ahead and looks around picks up a book and pretends to read nice which is super smart. And then I think – and then they said – who knows if it's true, but she said uh, luckily they didn't notice that uh, the book was upside down. <laughs> so, you know, there's that. I, I remember hearing that story when I'm a kid now that you bring it up, but I hadn't heard it in a long time. Yeah. I mean I, I listened to the song uh, Follow the Drinking Gourd, and I totally remember hearing that song as a kid. Yeah. And it just – it stuck with me, but I haven't thought about it since. I might include that song and, in the episode. You should. You should. It's a really nice little song. Um, and it, it's great because that is the right kind of subtlety because Drinking Gourd obviously references the Big Dipper. Right. Um, and uh, the the plantation owners and their family and their people, they drank out of something like probably made of metal or ceramic right. while the slaves drank out of a gourd. So they wouldn't associate a gourd being anything. Yeah, right. They wouldn't exactly. Think of it. Yeah. And then lastly – uh, unless you have some other cool no, no, things. No. Um, this might be a myth, actually, but there's someone I came across that she had a bounty on her head because this was, oh, this is the best part. She, she saved 300 slaves, but she was widely known among uh, plantation owners, and they were, she kind of put everybody on edge of like, is Harriet going to come and steal some of my uh, my slaves? But you she's know, like so a she, pirate. Was, she was in the heads of everybody. Yeah. Yeah, like a pirate. And so she had a bounty on her head. And some of the numbers I came across were like as high as like $40,000, which that is nuts. That would not shock me. 
But if you think not, about how much the Southern economy depended on slavery at the time, that would not surprise me. One sure. payment of forty thousand dollars to get rid of this woman would probably save them a lot of worry. And uh, what they, I'm sure they're thinking money at that point. But that's that's sure. amazing. That's awesome. But to put it into perspective, I mean, a, a farm would cost around four hundred dollars. Right. And the bounty on John Wilkes Booth, who just murdered the president, right. was twelve thousand dollars. Right. So. They're thinking that maybe forty thousand is just an accumulation of all the various bounties different states, oh, yeah, that would make counties, sense. and would would put on her. But that still, that's but still an, an accumulation of that much. That's amazing. That's that you know you're doing some damage just to the to the right people. Oh yeah, yeah. When that happens, well, that's awesome, dude. Uh, I really appreciate you uh, coming to the show with this. I thought you did a great job. And if and anyone... if I can close out real yeah. quick with a quote by her, she says. Um, if you hear the dogs, keep going. If you see the torches in the woods, keep going. If there's shouting after you, keep going. Don't ever stop. Keep going. If you want a taste of freedom, keep going. That's nice. Yeah. Well, Jason, if somebody were listening to this episode wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do that? Ah, well, they can get in touch with me through uh, my other show, The Bearded Ones Podcast. If you email us there, I'll be happy to talk to you about anything you want. Bearded Ones Podcast at gmail.com. I am also on that show, and uh, that show goes uh, year-round. This show is seasonal. Um, I'm almost done recording. I think after this episode, I'll have two, maybe three more episodes to record before I can actually oh, start posting episodes. I'm very excited. But cool. um, I don't know what order this will come up in, but uh, Jason, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Um, I hope you guys enjoy this. Again, give us a five-star review on Stitcher iTunes. We'll read it on the air. Don't forget our our email, uh, lucky10,000 at gmail, our Twitter, at lucky underscore 10K, and I hope you got lucky tonight. Later. Thank you for being a part of the Lucky 10,000. With your host, Evan. Email us at lucky10,000 at gmail.com. Find Lucky 10,000 on Twitter at lucky underscore 10k. And visit our podcast network site at beardedpodsnetwork.com.